Time Select is your ticket to news without the noise, a daily digital edition of news, business, lifestyle, sport, and more. It's news you can trust anytime, anywhere. We know that's important now more than ever, and that's why we're offering a 60-day subscription to Time Select for just 60 rand. Go to select.timeslive.co.za forward slash buy to sign up for this great deal. It is the end of week four of SA's national lockdown and the country has just heard the news that we will be emerging from lockdown as of next week, Friday, the 1st of May. Our people need to eat. They need to earn a living. Companies need to be able to produce and to trade. They need to generate revenue and keep their employees in employment. We have accordingly decided that beyond Thursday, the 30th of April, we should begin a gradual and phased recovery of economic activity. News was met with cheers and jubilation in the streets of Johannesburg. The lockdown is officially being lifted, but our society will by no means be going back to normal as strict regulations will be enforced to protect the health of our society. In the short podcast series, we follow Sunday Times reporter Alex Patrick and senior reporter Graham Hoskin as they track, record and reflect on the real events and people who make up SA's biggest COVID-19 news stories. In today's episodes of Boots on the Ground, behind SA's lockdown, we are going to take a microscope to the plight of our neighbors, both locally and across our borders, and consider what happens to our humanity when we ignore the suffering of those around us. For Boots on the Ground, behind SA's lockdown, I am Zama Lutuli. It appears that like many in South Africa, President Ramaphosa saw the anguish of his neighbors and couldn't turn a blind eye. While President Ramaphosa showed sensitivity to the plight of South Africans, he could not extend the same sympathy to our northern neighbors in Zimbabwe. We cannot take action today that we will deeply regret tomorrow. We must avoid a rushed reopening that could risk a spread which would need to be followed by another hard lockdown. Our borders will remain closed to international travel, except for the repatriation of South African nationals and foreign citizens. Graham spent week four of SA's lockdown at the Bay Bridge border post, which separates South Africa from Zimbabwe. Within days of President Cyril Ramaphosa announcing the national lockdown, Public Works and Infrastructure Minister Patricia DeLille revealed that a high security fence would be erected around Bait Bridge border post at a cost of 37 million rand. It was not long afterwards that reports began to emerge of the fence being breached as smugglers brought people and contraband into the country and helped thousands of starving Zimbabweans to gain access to food at shops in the nearby town of Messina. As reports of the widespread breach continued to mount, I decided to investigate the situation on the ground. 
Graham spoke to an array of soldiers, farmers, and interested communities who, while eager to protect the new fence, seemed to understand that SA's northern neighbors are in an incredibly difficult situation at the moment. It's uh, almost eight. Um, we're standing here on the border uh, between South Africa and Zimbabwe, um, just getting ready to go out and patrol one of the night patrols along the border. Um, so from about here onwards, we're patrolling for oh, probably about five, fifteen kilometres. Um, and the guys that we're patrolling with are anti-poaching units, um, as long as as well as farmers from the area, and they're looking for border crosses. Since the closing of the border, there's been a huge spike in the number of people illegally crossing into the country um, from Zimbabwe, where they food crisis is, is far worse than what it is here in South Africa and with the shutting of the border there's been a been a massive increase um, we're hearing reports of starvation as has been happening here in South Africa and the guys are then coming across illegally cutting through fences um, this evening on the way to where we are now we saw a whole lot of guys who were arrested by defense force um, when we were en route out we saw uh, guys crossing literally 300 meters in front of us had just cut the fence so um to money we've just seen seen now the the soldiers chasing after those who are coming across here how, how difficult is it it's very difficult as you see those people they are parents and uh, they are ladies and uh, the soldiers are harassing them time and again so it's very difficult to live there in Zimbabwe. They just came here for the sake of food. Zimbabwe, Messina, has become a suburb of Zimbabwe. It's like us closing, you closing me from Polokwane. Because there are thousands of Zimbabweans that are dependent on the town. This won't work until the borders are. So you, you were saying now about the, the hunger and the motivation. So yeah, so you won't convince me that helping someone who's hungry, that I'm doing a bad thing, no matter what, no matter what we do to help these guys. Mm. Not that we, we're helping them, but I'm not going to obstruct them. Mm. Do you think it would just be because and they would, it would lead to further problems? Exactly, yeah, it will lead to further problems. What, what kind of problems do you think? Like mass immigration. People coming in masses and not just smuggling food, I mean coming in, yeah. because there is nothing on that side. Yeah. That's, that's one of the main problems which I see in the, the coming future, is a lot of people coming in because there is literally nothing. And, and when that starts to happen, when it's, what, what you're going to do? What would you do? Yeah. You know, you know? What, are, what are people bringing across and what are people taking back to Zimbabwe? The thing that they are taking to Zimbabwe is the groceries, cooking oil. Uh, washing powders. I'm, I'm sure the, the groceries, only the groceries. Okay. And how expensive is the food in, in Zimbabwe and compared to here in South Africa? Yeah, just understand the food in Zimbabwe is very uh, expensive because I had one of my colleagues here saying now the 50 kg meal meal is costing about 500 rands mm. for 50 kg. But the main crisis is now if your neighbor is starving, you're not going to sleep. You're going to have to stay awake 24-7. Otherwise, you'll... Because he, he's starving. His family is starving. He'll go to extremes to try and just feed his family.
Graham also managed to speak to several smugglers during his patrol of the fence. So we just watched people walking across the, climbing through the fence and underneath the fence, um, being led by guides over the border. Um, they were coming from South Africa into Zimbabwe. Uh, you could see they were loaded with, with provisions. And not even 10 minutes later, there's another group of people uh, with donkeys that are coming up uh, to a new spot. You can hear the donkeys in the background. Guys are busy gathering their donkeys from where we are. Where we are, we're on a small kopi, and we can look down onto the river. It's a perfect vantage point. You can hear the bells on donkeys, which indicate where the people are, where the smugglers are, where they're waiting for those who they're going to take across the border. He's clearly, clearly seen us. He's not not phased at all. So they do that because of they are afraid of the army. Okay. So they cut here, they don't use this, they will cut somewhere else. Okay. Like so just ask him if it's, is it e is this fence easy to cut through? It's a simple way cut. Yeah, I can only fly the bike cut. Okay. Yeah, it's easy if, as long as you've got the plier. Okay. Yeah. So if, they f if the army fixes the hole here, will they cut somewhere else quickly or does That's it take... What so this fence doesn't it doesn't matter if they plug a hole. No, no, it doesn't matter anyway because the hole is only used once according to what he's saying. Okay. Yeah. And then how often do the smugglers come across? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. So the smugglers they come anytime, but mostly at night. You say you say you know this, like? Yeah, yeah. And you've caught him, caught him. Enda, so the card. Um, how much does he charge people to to take stuff across, like sugar or maize and? How much do they pay him? Yeah. Okay. But my my boss here, what could Badera you mean? Okay, if he um, carries 50 kg of millimil yeah. across the river, it's 10 rand. It will, it will, he says it differs okay. with what he's carrying. So okay. he's going to and, and where is he, like what's he carrying most? Is it mainly, is it cigarettes, is it food, no, maize? No, no, these guys are... What is your Maize meal, cooking oil, flour, flour sugar, whatever. And um, yeah, potato, onions. And, and how, how long does it take to move, say like 
stuff across the river? Is it, is it like, can he do it quite quickly or is it Do you know Spingate Goro he could again? Udo just Spingate Bill which is not a Goro who could give an hour and game. I don't have 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes to give me. Do you know Angeo never to one garden what the view? They used to come here with a scotch cart and uh, loading their stuff. Some they are surviving and carrying people's goods here by the river as a way of, of uh, surviving. And then now, after they put the fence, it's now a big challenge for them to get food. Interrupting the last interview you heard, SANDF patrols caught and arrested several of the illegal border jumpers. This is what it sounded like. So the SANDF have just arrested a whole lot of people from Zimbabwe who were here on the bank. Um, we spotted them getting, coming across the river or walking towards the river across the road. They came through the fence. Um, a whole lot managed to escape, but a couple got caught. Whether out of necessity or criminality, crossing any borders at this stage is still illegal. South African authorities, while no doubt showing empathy to the plight of struggling Zimbabwean border jumpers, still had to enforce the law. Our stores may still be stocked, but we have no shortage of hungry people within South Africa. After a short break, we follow Alex into Power Park to investigate some local feeding schemes aimed at helping our neighbors a little closer to home. Time Select is your ticket to News Without the Noise, a daily digital edition of news, business, lifestyle, sport, and more. It's news you can trust anytime, anywhere. We know that's important now more than ever, and that's why we're offering a 60-day subscription to Time Select for just 60 rand. Go to select.timeslive.co.za forward slash buy to sign up for this great deal. And now, back to our story. In week four of lockdown, Alex followed community feeding projects and got a sense of how those who had noticed strife in their own communities had band together to try and bring relief to their areas. We believe it's day 25 where 
It's been so many days of lockdown, we're not really sure anymore, but it's a Monday and we are at a place called Power Park, which is in Soweto. Just behind Power Park is a, the very impoverished township of Elias Mutsaledi. And uh, today we are with um, volunteers who are handing out food packs. They've done their research. They come into these communities and they go door to door. Um, but every time, even though they've planned for extra people to arrive, they've been swamped. So we are um, on a, a disused tennis court and, and the trucks are gonna set up shop here and yeah there's about 1100 parcels there were only meant to be 500 but they they have realized in the past that they've been swamped so we've got uh, some of the, the helpers here uh, instructing everyone to stand one meter apart so everybody's standing with their arms out making sure that they, they're uh, practicing the, the whole social distance and they're moving the queue very quickly as quickly as they can um, it's a it's quite a task because the the queue is very long and everybody has kind of already piled into the queue as the queue progresses they go through different training stations so they're getting information as well as food hello sir Good and you. How's, how's it been going? Is it tough? It's tough. How far did you walk? I'm sitting near the power park. Yeah, that side. That side, like a, about a kilometre and a half, eh? Yeah, a kilometre and a half. And, and you're on crutches here. Yeah. What happened, sir? I fall down. Uh, the man we've just spoken to is struggling with uh, crutches. He's, he keeps dropping the produce. He's still got over a kilometre to walk to his home in, in Power Park. Um, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure how he's going to manage the journey um, when he's clearly in, in a lot of pain. Alex explains a lot of the volunteers are originally from Power Park and its surrounding communities and are doing their best to give back. But they are always weary when they do not have enough supplies for everyone and have to turn back faces they see every day. This is your community, hey? Yes, this is yeah. This is where I grew up. This is where you grew up, and, and are you recognizing a lot of neighbors and friends in the queue? Yeah, a lot of lot of people I grew up with. You know, elderly people I know. I grew up under. Yeah, and a lot of friends as well. Is that? And yes. what do they think about what you're doing here? They're excited. They, they're very proud, and they, you know, they're happy. Mm. Yeah. Is it is it going to be enough for them? If, yeah, it's going to be enough. I think because we have these 500 and another 500 that we're still going to pick up. Yeah. And how long will these food food packages last? One with milli meal and, and a loaf of bread lasts about five days. Okay. Yes. For, for a female of four. Mm. Yes. And are they recognizing your, your community? Do they recognize you as well? Yes, yes, so some you... of them. Yes, yes, they, yeah, they did. And some of them, they, they recognize the Kaziwas and some of the guys here as well. Oh, yes. Tell me, as a community member, when you're handing to people who are your neighbors and everything, uh, does it make you upset or happy? Or what, what is the feeling that you're getting? Yeah, it makes me very happy because uh, helping a neighbor, it's like helping a uh, cousin. Uh, 
Even your neighborhoods, yeah, it's like heaven family. My first name is Stanley. My surname is Itzikhetzein. I'm actually a deputy director in the office of the MMC of Environment and Infrastructure Services Department. What we are doing is that uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, our stakeholders, in this particular instance, the trolley pushers, we call them waste pickers, township language call them mabakheris, right? Um, have not been able to do you know, their normal recycling from our dustbins every time when they're taken out. So basically what it means is that this pandemic has immediately uh, made them uh, to face the harshest poverty because they're not able to generate income, they're not able to buy food and so forth. So we opted that uh, we should go on a roadshow on all the areas where we have waste pickers and we have been going around giving food to them. And have you seen any hiccups? Have there been any hiccups along the way? I mean, there's been hiccups from day one. I mean, once uh, people start going out here with food parcels, people outside are going to see them and the gate will flock. We just could not handle the influx of uh, people that were coming in uh, to want to get food parcels. And it's quite hectic and it's not easy to say to people, but here yeah, we are giving this group of people. We end up giving those that are here. It is heartbroken. Uh, we wish as a city, as a government, we could do more to assist our people. I mean, this exposes the gravity of the problems that the country is facing. Is it enough what we're doing now? No, it will never be enough. Uh, giving a person uh, food, remember the food we are buying here, it's because of what we think is a staple food that people need. The person may be having a baby, an infant, we don't give baby food here. A person may be having uh, sugar, diabetes, high blood and all those things. We are not providing uh, whatever is necessary for them to be able to survive. We are just giving them food for them to be able to eat at least. And unfortunately, on this day, the feeding project did run out of food parcels, leaving behind confused and disappointed community members. That's a tiny queue, which we first began at you know, about maybe 20 people, is now a throng of people. I mean, this queue extends, I would, I would guess, like maybe 500 meters. It's so big. There's just no way that's uh, 1,000 food parcels is going to uh, feed any of the the new people in this queue i mean this must be the entire community i think they've just told them there's no more food jmpd have told uh, people to leave the queue because there's no more food parcels it seems like after milder disappointment the queue is just lining up still i mean there are bunches of people this is not there's no way that it's 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 legal in terms of these lockdown laws to have this many people thousands strong um it's just not yeah there's just not enough food for everybody
community members are busy bargaining with each other to share the food that they have. Those who have been lucky enough to, to grab a packet are being asked to share with, each, with other community members. Um, but there's a lot of people just standing, standing around not really sure what to do now that all the food is gone. COVID-19 is a pandemic sweeping the entire globe and spreading anxiety in communities across the world. And while the urge to protect our own is strong, a global pandemic is a good time to remember that we form a part of a global community. If you have excess, we at Multimedia Life ask you to consider those in the communities throughout the world who may be battling. Contact your local charitable organizations and help out where you can. Confirmed cases and related deaths are mounting, but we remain hopeful that the efforts taken by the government, essential services and communities will make a difference. For Boots on the Ground, Behind Essay's National Lockdown, a production of Multimedia Live, I am Zamalutul. You are listening to Boots on the Ground, Behind Essay's National Lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samar Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Production by Multimedia Head Scott Peter Smith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.